This is episode 15 of the Nesby Panua podcast, produced by STEM Media. Let's go. You're listening to the Nesbypreneur Podcast, where we share information and inspiration to help make your dream become a reality. Do you have a big idea? Looking to take your business to the next level? Then look no further. You have come to the right place. And now, here's your host, Nehemiah Mabry. What's going on, people? Thank you so much for joining us once again here on the Nesbypreneur Podcast. Look, I'm so happy that you all are able to come and glean so much from all of our guests because I've really been enjoying doing this and that there's been something at one point or another that you've, you've learned, that you've gained, that you've applied to your entrepreneurship journey. And today, I can tell you that it will be no different because I'm joined with a good friend of mine. Her name is Kalia Braswell. Kalia, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so thankful that you could uh, join us on the podcast today. No worries. I'm excited to be here. I've uh, listened to quite a few, so I'm honored to be a guest. Kalia Braswell has been a user experience professional for several years, creating responsive web user interfaces for enterprise solutions and startups. She applies user-centered design concepts to technology solutions, which she has learned through experience as a user experience engineer at Apple, as well as in the classroom while obtaining her master's in information technology with a concentration in human-computer interaction at UNC Charlotte. Kalia also founded the InTech Foundation, an organization which targets girls of color ages 13, 10 to 13 to inform and inspire them to innovation in the technology industry. Now, Kalia, you know, as a listener of the show, one of the things that we like to ask right out of the gate is that you give us a random fact about yourself. A random nugget about me is that I began DJing my senior year of high school, and I carried that with me to NC State. Mm -hmm. So I was a DJ. Well, I I had a radio show called Soul for Renaissance, where I played neo-soul music. And I also DJed on campus. Um, a DJ name, for those of you who are curious, was DJ CEO, creatively entertaining others. And the only reason why I'm saying that in past tense is because I haven't actively DJed in a couple of years, but I still have the skills. So, you know. <laughs> so you can still get down <laughs> on the ones and two. So do you still have the turntables with you at the house? At the moment, I don't. I actually let my brother use them um, while I was out in, in California. So uh, I have everything else. I just don't have the turntables. So, um and that's another reason why gotcha. I would say I was a DJ. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That's pretty. So we'll see. That's interesting. That's pretty interesting. Okay, so um, let us know a little bit about your academic experience. What was, you know, your major? Why did you choose that major? How did things go um, while you were an undergrad at the great NC State? I chose computer science. Um, I've always been into technology since like the fourth grade. Went to a technical high school and was really into programming and I actually came to NC State in computer engineering um, but what I learned about myself is that I'm very visual and computer engineering wasn't visual enough for me and so switched back to computer science where I could get um, into some object-oriented programming and like really in, like see the interface of what I was building and I never looked back at computer engineering ever. 
All right, so you picked this major because you were visual. You were a person that really liked to see things. And I'm guessing those were the early seeds that led to this user-centered design uh, affinity that you have. Tell us about how you end up getting involved in that particular field outside of school and, and, and eventually making it to Apple. Sure. So, I mean, I tell the story to um, girls that I mentor all the time, like, the, the, what the, what hooked me into computer science and like user centered design before it was a thing? Um, I showed my mom my very first program, which literally was a basic notepad that you would find on like any Microsoft machine. Mm-hmm. And she was so amazed at it, and her reaction kind of excited me. So I was like, "Ooh, what else can I do to um, what else can I do to get that reaction out of people?" And honestly, mm-hmm. I, I don't tell this part of the story because I don't think they would know what I'm talking about. But my face. <laughs> Uh-huh. That's kind of how I got into it as well because we could use code to like change the stuff on our pages. So I was right. fascinated by the background colors, the scrolling text, and everything and that sort, and like finding a new line of code that can make you know a picture do I don't know also scroll across the screen. So that's kind of how I initially got into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what sealed the deal for me was my senior year of NC, at NC State, I took a human computer interaction course. Okay. Human-computer interaction, uh, also known as HCI, focuses a lot about psychology and, like, how people perceive things and, um, you know, how color can represent different things and how you can use color to help convey messages or how color, you know, may hurt someone if they're colorblind and things mm-hmm. like that. Sort. And I was just fascinated that you can use psychology with technology. And so yeah. I looked into different grad programs. Um, and I saw that UNC Charlotte, a school that I didn't think about because I'm from Charlotte, um, <laughs> had a program focusing in that. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, well, we tried to go there. And so long story short, ended up at UNC Charlotte. And then the Apple situation came through. I was at a conference that Apple, I was, I was an ambassador at a conference. Apple um, sponsored like a luncheon for amb- the ambassadors at this conference. And um, so I'm just there talking to different people. And then I was like, let me go talk to the recruiter. Because she always spoke and told us what to do. But I was like, let me go speak to her and just mm-hmm. kind of see what they look for for user mm-hmm. experience. Because um, at the time, I had never had a role in user experience. And things just, it was like right timing. Because my manager had actually was looking for someone doing user experience. And he also wanted some uh, a woman because I was in the hardware part of the organization. And there aren't a lot of women. Mm. And so it was just perfect timing. Um, I had an amazing experience learning a ton. And a lot of what I learned, like, I'm applying back in grad school now I'm back. And so it is amazing to kind of see everything come full circle. Yeah, yeah. So there are a couple of things that stood out to me in what you said. First, I want to start with my epiphany, and that is MySpace did let you customize your background. You could put your own pictures and colors. Yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, I, we're, we're aging ourselves a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> just a tad bit. Just a tad bit. But, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's funny how, like, though, that – really was just like an opportunity to showcase yourself and show your personality actually was a catalyst for you getting interested in code because in order to do things, in order to really express yourself, you had to kind of learn a little bit of the HTML and you were able to do this on this platform that, as you said, was kind of the, one of the launching paths for you getting into computer science. So that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But another thing you said is when you were uh, considering whether or not you should go and talk to, I think, the recruiter at Apple. You know, mm-hmm. a, lot of people, a lot of times we, we look at situations and we have this idea, but we'll shut ourselves down before we even try it, before we even look into it. Yep. Yeah, and that that's a right. perfect example of, 
hey, if you just didn't talk to them, of course you would have missed a shot because we miss 100% of the shots we don't take. But in talking to them, talking to them or him, you had an opportunity uh, that led to uh, a job at Apple. So that's pretty cool. Yes. Yes. Take that extra mile. If someone stands up and says, hey, email this address and mm-hmm. send your resume, go get their card. Don't <laughs> send it to that email address. Go get their card. And that's what I did. And I sent the person my resume and the rest was history. Ooh. So. Oh, that's that's a pro tip right there, listeners. I hope y'all hear that. <laughs> Forget the email address that they're trying to point you to. Get their card. Send it to them. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. So um, this being an entrepreneurship show, um, we want to talk a little bit about Intech and your foundation and what you do entrepreneurially. Um, but first, share with us, how did you begin to start thinking down that path? And how did your mind start going the entrepreneurial route? Well, to be completely honest, I've always had this hustle mentality. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like to credit my Uncle Steve. I don't know how many of your listeners have Uncle Steve, but (laughs) I had Uncle Steve that, you know, the DVD, CD, tapes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that uncle, I had that uncle. Oh, yeah. And um, I never really, like, consciously watched him and tried to mock him. But, like, in high school, I would sell mixed CDs. I would would sell candy because – uh, I grew up in a single parent home mm-hmm. and like I still wanted to be cool and I was cool my mom couldn't always buy me those New Jordans so I was like well I'm gonna get the money myself somehow mm-hmm. and somebody else is gonna meet me halfway hopefully and sometimes that would happen but a lot of times I literally would sell my stuff have all these coins what I've collected um well when I got into TV that's when I got into big money but in any <laughs> case I would save my money up mm-hmm. and try to strategically get the Jordans or whatever it was that was cool at the time and uh, that kind of that's kind of how it started. And I've always just had this this interest into entrepreneurs. And I remember um, like some of the early entrepreneurs I would look at is like Queen Latifah. I looked at how she was like a, a producer, mm-hmm. um, like for TV, but and also an actress and also a singer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think MC Light too. She's a DJ, but she also was like a radio host and like doing all this other stuff. Um, and I mean, of course, Oprah and things of that yeah. sort. So I was always just thought it was amazing that these people could do all these different things, mm-hmm. call it an entrepreneur, and live their life doing what they loved. And I'm just, I've literally always been attracted to people doing that kind of stuff, um, like owning their own thing since high school, probably before that, honestly. Wow, wow. And you said that you had some, you know, clothes and shoes that you wanted, but because the funds <laughs> weren't necessarily there, you were like, all right. I'm going to go out there and, and make it happen myself. Yes, because I didn't have a job in high school. Well, I actually ended up with an internship my senior year, well, junior year technically, of high mm-hmm. school. But up until then, like, I didn't have a job because um, I didn't have to work. Right, right. But, you know, I, I did want some money, yeah. so <laughs> I figured it now out. Now, that, that reminds me of uh, a book that Damon John, the founder of FUBU, recently wrote called The Power of Broke. And he just talked mm-hmm. about how you know, not having what you want sometimes forces you to be more creative and, and brings out more ingenuity in you that otherwise, if you had everything you need, you had the money and to say, you know, your mom just showered you with all of the things that you, you wanted, you probably wouldn't push yourself to go out and try to make things happen on your own. So, hey, there is a power in lack. There's a power in, uh, in not always having what you want at your fingertips. So I like that. Oh my goodness! We I need to get that book. We talked about that very thing in church yesterday. So wow! I have to get that book. Well, I'm gonna put it in the show notes, listeners. Uh, the link to the Amazon where you can see it. It's it's not too old. I think he wrote it within the last couple of months. So we'll definitely link that up. Thanks. 
But uh, Intech, so how did that come about? Okay, we're talking about user experience, user-centered design. You, you really had a passion to, um, you, well, you had this hustle mentality that you said. How did you come about this idea of starting Intech Foundation and, and this being kind of your first big leap into entrepreneurship? Sure. Um, well, to be honest, after I left high school and I got to NC State, there were a drop in the number of uh, women in my classrooms, mm -hmm. women teaching my classes, and women at my technical internships. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of asked myself, like, where are all of the women? Uh, particularly, where are all the women who look like me? Right. Um, and I never really intended to create my own, like, camp for girls. It just kind of happened out of um, a grant opportunity that came up. And the event was so successful. The girls loved it. And everyone was immediately like, oh, I want you to come to this city and come to this state and do this and do that. And like, this is so hmm. needed. So I was like overwhelmed in a good way. Like, wow. Like, you know, because I'm in tech, mm -hmm. I understand, <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, I understand that there are organizations that exist that are similar to what mm -hmm. I'm doing. However, I have to realize sometimes that the people outside of the technology and the, tech, the outreach bubble aren't necessarily aware right. of it, uh, of the lack of women and of the different opportunities. And so I'm like, you know, my favorite quote that I, one of my favorite quotes that I remember seeing somewhere in one of my classrooms in grade school uh, was, I, be the change you mm, wish to see. Mm -hmm. And so that was my drive. It's like, okay, this is a problem. Let me try to uh, be the change and say, hey, I'm a cool kid. And this is not just me calling myself a cool kid. People call me that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm like, I'm cool. I think I'm pretty cool. I have mm -hmm. cool friends. And we're all doing this computer science thing. And we're doing it in our own way. How can I expose girl, more girls to us and then, like, hook them as soon right. as possible? And so, like, middle school is that mm -hmm. age, uh, based on research, into getting girls, like, making an impression mm -hmm. on them. Um, because once they get to high school, their interest in science and math automatically mm -hmm. drops. And I don't necessarily push... Uh, science and math, I really pushed technology mm -hmm. in the score because I know, like, I wasn't very strong in science, or at least I didn't think I was, um, in, strong, in science and math, but I still was able to make it through technology. And so I try not to make the organization so focused on, like, oh, you got to do great in science and math to get the tech. No, it's like, you don't have right. to be great. Um, and so I also try to try to expose them to that mindset as well. So they won't think that, oh, I'm not good at math, so I'm not good at technology. Yeah, That's not true. Yeah, yeah. And what I love about it, and of course, you know, I've been following your journey for a little bit, is that in tech, this, this foundation, it seems so you. Like, it's like, really, it's like an extension of who you are. And you're given an opportunity for these girls to basically just embrace a perspective that you've had all along when it comes to technology and when it comes to being a girl in, in this field. And that it is cool. You're not trying to make it cool. Like, it is cool. And so I like that. I really like that you open this up. And this falls into the category of what many people call social entrepreneurship. And um, mm -hmm. I understand that you recently participated in, I think, a competition out in the Greensboro area of North, North Carolina. Could you tell us a little? A little yeah. How, how was that? How was that? And I know you had to do, uh, you know, a pitch and do things like that. And so uh, tell us a little bit about that experience. Sure. So the UNC school system has this competition every year, um, social entrepreneurship competition in which they allow schools that are part of the UNC school mm -hmm. system to nominate um, both undergrad and graduate teams 
to participate in their social entrepreneurship competition. And so um, what UNC Charlotte made their student teams do is create a business mm-hmm. plan way back in like, I think it was due in November. So I created the business plan with my team in November. We submitted it to UNC Charlotte. And then from all of the UNC Charlotte um, teams, they, they chose who would go on to the big competition. And the big competition also required a business plan. And so um, got my team together, did the business plan. And uh, in parallel, we were working on our strategic plan because they, mm-hmm. they both drive each other and then submitted it. And so um, after we submitted that, so we're already, you know, at that point mm-hmm. in the competition. So the big day was in Greensboro. And in Greensboro, what we had to do was present to a panel, of, a small panel of judges. I had three judges who had already had my business plan, mm-hmm. already looked at it, um, created a poster with more information, just to kind of a vi- have a visual, um, four-minute pitch. And then from all of the teams that did the pitches, both undergrad and grad, they had three different categories, and for each category, um, they only had two teams. So Intech made it through to that next round, and with the next round, I had to pitch again to a new panel of judges. Not too sure if they mm-hmm. saw a business plan. Um, I'm pretty sure they did, though. And so they, I think it was a panel of five, but I had to pitch to not only. And so from wow. there, they chose who the winners were in the categories. Um, and actually, mistaken, there were actually three or four teams in each of the three categories. And so Intech ended up winning mm-hmm. a second runner up, which was great. You know, first, yes. well, technically it was our second pitch. Thank you. But it was our first social mm-hmm. entrepreneurship pitch. Um, and so, you know, this amazing experience, it forced me as a founder to first develop a team, second, develop a business yeah. plan, and third, create a strategic mm-hmm. plan. Um, and so I have an advisor now who's outstanding and she's like, need to get a strategic plan because that's going to drive everything and that's not really how i think <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm like all right want to do a camp cool let's do it how we're going to make this happen like that's, that's kind of right. how i think i'm not a strategic thinker not really um so it's been a learning process and but it's been awesome though i've, I've loved every moment of it my team is, is awesome that's great that's great and listeners you've heard it before from other guests that it's very important to plan it's really important that you know what you're trying to do not just the overall vision or the overall goal of how you want to make everyone feel. And, and this is key, particularly in social entrepreneurship, because sometimes I say often in this space, people have very noble dreams and very, very noble ideas. But at the end of the day, you're starting a business and you need to make sure that it has the foundation and it has legs to stand on so that it can be sustained and that you can ultimately reach the people that you want to reach. And so, uh, clear, this is where I ask you the, the loaded question, I guess, if you would just give us a little hint, or a little taste of your pitch breakdown for us. I don't know if it contains this or not, but essentially the model or the business model of how it all works and um, a little bit of, of how you see um, this vision or this passion working as a literal business. All righty. Sure. So Intech is a nonprofit organization that targets girls 10, 10, ages 10 to 14 from underrepresented groups whose mission is to inform and inspire girls to innovate in the technology field. Intech achieves our mission by hosting one-day coding camps where girls of color are informed about technology and how it relates to their everyday lives. They are inspired by role models of women in the technology industry who share information about their journey and provide mentorship. And most importantly, Intech provides a safe space for girls to innovate and learn that they can develop apps like they play on their phones as well as websites that they visit after school. Um, mm-hmm. And so 
our goal now is to expose 5,000 girls to technology in five years. And in order to reach our goal, Intech plans to execute Intech days, where we will send women in the industry into classrooms to expose girls to technology. And we will also continue to conduct our premier Intech one-day camp experience, as well as a week-long summer camp that we will be piloting this summer. Mm. That is what a competition placing pitch sounds like, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So, so nonprofit organization. So, does that mean that you get uh, kind of your funding from grants and donations and things of that nature, or is there any fees involved for for people that you serve? So, at its core, yes, um, grants and fundraising. Uh, trying to figure out a sustainable model. Um, we did talk about. Um, you know, earlier about how I do my own like web design and things of that sort. So I also have an LLC mm -hmm. and what I do is the proceeds that I make off of anything that I do for profit, I feed that into mm -hmm. the a percentage of that to the nonprofit. Um yeah. the very first camp had fees in addition to four scholarships. Um, but then the camps after that was in an even lower income community and so we just waived the fees mm -hmm. and made it work. Um and so okay. now I tr I just try to make it free. Um, mm -hmm. but I mean, as the most expensive camp was like $15 per girl, but, um, I'll even go as low as five, but we just like, you know what, let's just make it free. Um, uh, it got kind of mm -hmm. complicated. So, <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, at the end of the day, all of being a nonprofit is not to fatten your pockets. It's to continue to better serve the people that you're serving. Exactly. Right? Any insight income. And that's cool. And you, so you freelance with a lot of things that you, you have, a lot of skills you have in tech no pun intended, <laughs> and then allow that to kind of funnel into uh, InTech, the foundation. Exactly. So I see. I see. I see. Like so a, what was something? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say this is like a hybrid bootstrapping, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know all about that. I know all about that. And we've, we've had conversations. Yes. So tell me, if you would, um, a challenge that you didn't expect that you found yourself facing kind of early in the process when you had the idea but you start trying to get the ball rolling. What, what's something? Maybe it was when you were building a team. Just any any challenge or lesson that you learned um, when it comes to starting starting an organization like Intech. There have been many challenges. Um, I'll, I'll share two. One is quick. So one that I learned was that when you say free, that doesn't always <laughs> attract people. Sometimes mm -hmm. girls or just kids in general, uh, and I kind of can relate to this, when they hear free, they think, oh, that's not for me. That's for a poor person kind of thing. Mm -hmm, um, and, mm -hmm. and so charging actually has buy-in. And that's why I said we kind of wow. had discussions about, well, what do we do? Mm. Um, you know, my last set of camps were in South Carolina in the fall, and I was partnering with Teach for America, and they knew the community. And they were like, it would be better off to make this free, and we will get girls there. Like, you know, yeah. that, that kind of went out the window. But for Charlotte... Charlotte's a little different, um, mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. I learned that. And then the second thing I've learned is, like, partnerships can be kind of sticky. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> it's hard for me to elaborate, but um, <laughs> it's just, like, one of those things is, like, it's like you got to take the good with the bad. Um, right. You know, and just understand right. that at the end of the day, you know, what the, the goal that you're trying to do. But if you're going to partner with another organization, you have to sometimes bend to their rules to make it work. And mm -hmm. by Intech being um, almost two years old, it's just kind of like, you know, establishing, I feel like we have an established brand, especially in Charlotte and in the Carolinas. Uh, but when I'm talking to people outside of this area, it's like, you know, how 
how humble am I going to be versus how arrogant? And I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's like mm-hmm. when you have an organization and you know you have proven results, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you, you don't want to just kind of like, you know, be ran over kind of thing. And so right. that's something that I struggle right. with because I, I go into every situation expecting good of people mm-hmm. and of the, you know, of the partnership or whatever. And, you know, something just kind of come, kind of blindsides you a little bit. And so that's been a learning experience for me. Um, Man. In the business world, so. Kili, I don't think you realize how much value you just dropped in what you just said. In both of the challenges, first of all, you said that, um, you know, free doesn't always attract people, doesn't necessarily attract people. And there are times where charging creates a buy-in. And that is extremely valuable. Like, I had to step away from the mic for a little bit because there are people right now who have things that are, are worth something, you know, whatever business it may be. But they're, they're afraid to charge or they feel as though maybe charging or, or saying something in, in certain situations may be taboo or whatever the case may be. But, you know, when you have value and you know an audience that, for instance, looks at the free and say, OK, that's not for me. But if they saw a price tag on it, may then come and, and buy in and, like you said, and value it more, then why not put a sticker on it mm-hmm. put a sticker price on it? Because at the end of the day, you're basically communicating something to them, essentially, and you're bringing in proceeds to sustain what you're doing. And then you said, man, like partnerships, which is very important. Partnerships are helpful. But then at the same time, you don't want to engage in partnerships that cause your brand and cause all of the, the model that you have built to be diluted exactly. and washed away. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I- those are some really big lessons that I've had to learn. So, yeah. So, kind of just moving into our final segment, you've already began to drop some um, advice, some nuggets of wisdom and takeaways. We're going to ask a, a few questions, and, and this particular one is one of our staple questions that is specifically designed to get some more advice. And that is, if we had a time machine right here, right now, and you could hop on the time machine and go back. You said Intech is almost two years old. You can go back two and a half years and meet yourself earlier. We're not asking you if you could change anything, but we're asking you if you had an opportunity to give your younger self, your less experienced self, some quick advice, what would that advice be? This is, this is my, my less experienced and current experienced self. I would just say that, <laughs> um, you know, timing is everything. I It's funny because if I, if I go back to, like, um, who I was in, in, uh, as a senior in high school, I mean, like, Super mm-hmm. duper duper ambitious, and I had all of these ideas, and it was amazing. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, we just kind of expect things to happen quickly, or like if yeah. they don't happen next year, then uh, you know, I need to. What, what happened? What didn't I do? You know, but then mm-hmm. um, you realize down the line that maybe you did achieve that goal, and so you know, just timing is just everything. And so if you, I would tell myself that if you have a dream or you have an idea then just try to cultivate it a little bit. It may not grow or bloom at the moment, but it will indeed bloom. I actually was looking at an old, like, not necessarily a dream board. It was just like a, a paper that I wrote a lot of different things on, exercise someone gave me to do. Today, I looked mm-hmm. at it. It was from 2013, and I hadn't achieved a lot of it, but majority, I could I could say I bar- marked off about four or five, and inspiring more women, and it wasn't girls, it was women, into wow. the industry was one of those mm-hmm. things check that off, go to San Francisco mm. to work for a startup or some, some tech company 
um, check that out. Yeah. Oh, get Apple. Like, Apple. Uh, get a master's. <laughs> get, to, get some stamps in my passport. Like, those kind of things I've done. Um, and so the other stuff, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. I didn't haven't achieved that yet, but I don't have any doubt in my mind that it'll happen in my lifetime. So. Yeah, yeah. Patience is, is very important because, like you said, we're like, have all these dreams, and it's like, yo, this isn't happening yet. I'm already... 20 something and this hasn't happened yet <laughs> but when you look back on it you're like hey things take time and really it's all about the journey not necessarily just all of a sudden getting there but um if you could uh recommend for us any particular book or tech resource uh, that really helps you organize things and, and run in tech what would it be Ooh, you know what? I did not prepare for this question. However, <laughs> and I saw it. You know what? Because with books, I um, I am a, I love books. I love to read. However, I have a problem finishing books. Um, but I will say, as far as books go, there is one I, I would like to recommend. I just need to make sure I get this title right. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it's called My So-Called Freelance Life. And I was able to use that book in both areas, really. Yeah, it's called My My So-Called Freelance Life, How to Survive and Drive as a Creative Professional for Hire. Um, And I was able Hmm. that helped me nonprofit-wise and profit-wise. And another one that I need to finish that I haven't yet was um, Entree Leadership by Dave Mm -hmm. Ramsey. Yeah. So I started that one, and it was really good. But... Another thing with nonfiction books for me is like I try to apply to stuff, um, right? And so that kind of gets me off track from finishing. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm just like that too. I'm just like that. I'll stop at the chapter three and be like, let me try to do these things real quick. Yeah, you know, before finishing it. Yeah. One last book is Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes, which I finished in like three days. I think that oh. book will help anybody who's in the situation where they have ideas or maybe they have opportunities and things of that sort, like year of yes, um, it really, it really helps. And I think, I, I think 2015 mm-hmm. was a year of yes and I didn't know it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but if you're like a comfort zone type person and you want to get out of it, or maybe you, you know, are trying to navigate different things in life and it's a really easy read and a fun read to learn more about Shonda Rhimes and how she kind of, I mean, she's a powerhouse on ABC, like, you know, so mm-hmm. it's, it was just really interesting to read that and kind of apply a lot of what she was saying. Like uh, one quick thing, I don't know if I have time to share this, but uh, and I don't have the book on me at the second. But one thing that I do remember, um, you know, she was like, "Don't don't call me lucky." Like a lot of people say, hmm. "Like you're so lucky," and it's like, "No, like I worked for this. I'm not lucky." <laughs> um, right. And so I, I, that rang true for me. Like you know, and everybody has a different thing about about luck. Uh, but right. yeah, I, I really like that. Cause it's like, we work hard for this. And so for people to come back and say, oh, you're lucky. It's like, no, this happened. Cause I've right. been working for this. Uh, I've been grinding. Exactly. Right. When you haven't been seeing me. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. All right. So some, some tech resources. I know you got some apps that you can shout out for us real quick. You've given me some in the past. And so what are some, some quick um, internet or tech resources that you recommend? I honestly use Twitter for a lot of what I find. Tech-wise, okay. um, mm-hmm. I'm into my finances, so I use Mint.com. Um, okay. I'm really big in traveling. We didn't talk about that at all, which is fine. I use the uh, Hopper app. Hopper helps okay. you. Um, it'll use an algorithm to determine if you should buy your flight now or if you should wait. And then Ooh. it'll notify you and tell you um, when you should buy it, like when it price drops or 
whatever. Um, That's good. That's good. And then, like, you're a Google Calendar person or something? Oh, yes. If it's not on my Google Calendar, I forgot it. Okay. (laughs) And it it just didn't even happen. We didn't talk about it. We did not talk about it. Um, And I also use, I use the Google Drive app pretty religiously as well. Okay. Unfortunately, this interview has, has come to a close, Kalia, and you, you shared so much. But um, one of the things, if you could do before you before we end the interview, if you could please uh, share with our audience, our listeners, how they could keep in touch with you, how they can keep tabs on what you're doing with Intech, and maybe perhaps even reach out. And then leave us with one of your favorite quotes. Definitely. So to get in touch with me, very easy, uh, com. Um, and from there you can go to the bottom of that page and send me a, a message from my website. And there's also a link for Intech. But if you are just eager to just find out more about Intech, um, it's I N T E C H Intech Camp C A M P dot C O. Um, that's how you can find Intech. And I'm on all social media platforms and both with both Intech and um and my personal. So and I'm very responsive on like Twitter, things of that sort. Facebook, maybe not so much, but Twitter and like Snapchat and all that. So, BlueBrassWell.com, yeah. easy find. And my favorite quote of all time, you know, I talked about how I love <laughs> leadership and entrepreneurship, is mm-hmm. by John Maxwell. A great okay. leader's courage to fulfill his vision or her vision <laughs> comes from passion, not position. Favorite quote. Mm. There you have it. Listeners by John Maxwell. And, of course, we're going to have a lot of the good stuff, all the goodness that Kalia shared with us in our show notes page over at stemmedia.org. Kalia, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to chat with me and with our listeners. Thank you for all the value that you provided. And, man, I just really hope that uh, you continue to be blessed with what you're doing with Intech. Thank you so much, and thank you for the opportunity. Um, I'm always here if anybody needs me. for listening we really hope you enjoyed this episode and we would love for you to come and join us again next time in the meantime please do us a couple of favors one subscribe to the podcast on itunes or any other platform you might find us on and two rate and leave a positive review so we can know what you think of the show and finally spread the word tell your friends and family that they can join us right here on the nesbypreneur podcast